0: Hi there and welcome to this episode of Take Home Reading, a new audio series from the Wheeler Centre. In each episode, we'll be speaking to an Australian writer about their latest book and hearing a reading from it. This podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation. The Wheeler Centre acknowledges their elders, past and present. We pay our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and to the elders of all lands this broadcast reaches. I'm Stella Charles and I work in the programming team at the Wheeler Centre. Usually I host our monthly reading series, The Next Big Thing, but since we haven't been able to gather together for a few months now, we thought we'd bring these readings to you instead. Today I'm talking to Craig Sylvie. Craig is an author and screenwriter from Fremantle, Western Australia. His critically acclaimed debut novel, Rhubarb, was published in 2004. His best-selling second novel, Jasper Jones, was released in 2009 and is considered a modern Australian classic. Craig's third novel and the focus of our conversation is *Honeybee*, published in October by Alan and Unwin. Hi, Craig. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It is my absolute pleasure, Stella.
0: I think we're going to release this the night before *Honeybee* is officially out in the world. So, congratulations!
1: Thank you so much. Yes, *Honeybee* Eve.
0: Can you start by telling us a little bit about the opening scene in Honeybee? It's a really striking scene and it introduces us to our narrator, Sam, and also to a man called Vic.
1: That's right, yeah. Um, we first meet Sam Watson, who is a, a young teenager, uh, as they step onto a quiet overpass uh, late one night and climb over the rail with the intention of ending their life. And at the other end of the bridge is an old man called Vic uh, who is smoking his last cigarette, who is also there to end his own struggle. And the two see each other across the void and their fates are forever changed. And Honeybee is essentially about the relationship that blooms between them um, and the the efforts that they make to repair each other.
0: So... Honeybee is Sam's story and she has such a distinct voice. You've said in interviews about Jasper Jones that it was Jasper's name specifically that came to you first and that you just couldn't shake the idea of this character. And so you ended up writing that novel that became Jasper Jones in quite a feverish 18-month stretch. Did you experience a similar thing with Sam? Was she the first thing that came to you?
1: Well, authors are invariably asked where their ideas come from or what the genesis of a novel is and i've always found it a difficult uh, question to, to tackle because uh it's, it's not always clear uh where a novel emerges from however in this case uh, the honeybee the inception the honeybee actually stems from a real event um a, a few years ago now uh, my brother was picking up his partner from the airport and, and driving home, and it was uh, it was late in the evening. And they were driving over the Canning Highway overpass here in Western Australia, and my brother noticed uh, a young person standing over the other side of the railing. And obviously concerned, he, he pulled over immediately and he called the police, and my sister-in-law, whose name is Sam, uh, she got out and approached this young person uh, largely with the ambition just to distract them until help arrived essentially um, and after he spoke to the police my brother uh, texted me and I was uh, sitting right here in my office and, and working um, but I was immediately drawn to this uh, event and worried and concerned and, and uh, heartbroken um, and I continued to receive updates and uh, And so essentially Sam spoke to this young person and they talked about everything and nothing uh, until they volunteered the reasons why they were there. And uh, they were struggling with their gender identity. They had lost the support of their family. They'd been kicked out of home. And they found themselves in an anguished, hopeless, helpless place. And so they connected uh, up there on on the overpass until they were more or less kind of interrupted by the police and an an ambulance. Uh, And, you know, the police were uh, quite brusque. They pulled them over the uh, side of the rail, put them in the back of the ambulance. And Sam really didn't need to give much of a statement. She was sort of summarily dismissed. And that was that. Um, You know, in, in the following days, we tried to reconnect with this person or concern for them but they had a very common name and found you know they were quite elusive uh, and, and, and difficult to track down and so for me I was left with this event that I felt that was that was real that I felt very connected to uh, but with a person who existed solely in my imagination really um, and so I kept thinking about them I kept worrying about them and uh for me, my process in, in, in trying to um, understand the abstract and to try to come to terms with things that I don't understand uh, is to write about them and to, to read about them. And uh, you know, I've always been uh, very empathetic to and very interested in the challenges faced by uh, the community of people who are gender diverse. Um, and. I, I was inspired to, to, to learn more, to, to read more about it. Um, and, you know, I was, I was shocked and heartbroken and concerned about uh, what, what I was reading. And it uh, ultimately inspired me to want to write Honey Bee and to want to capture this character and, and to uh, bring Sam Watson to life.
0: In your acknowledgements, you allude to the fact that the first form that this story took was a play, a play script that you attempted to write. I was really curious about that because I think the dialogue is so key to this novel. It crackles and sparkles that it has a real conversational immediacy to it, which gives this book a lot of energy and often a lightness which balances out some of the um, the heavier themes. What was the process like for you in terms of figuring out the right form through which to tell this story once you knew that it was a story you were drawn to tell. And how did you approach balancing that energy and humour with some of the, uh, the heavier subject matter?
1: Right. Well, I, I instantly knew the wrong way to tell this story, and that was to pretend that I'm any kind of playwright uh, because I am not. <laughs> it was an awful play uh, and I should uh, leave theatre to the thespians. Um, that, that, that was abundantly clear to me. Um but but there was enough there um, but the play was quite different to uh, the, the novel that has emerged um you know, it was this one act uh, uh, story that that just featured two people that was essentially just these two people on, on an overpass slowly connecting. Um, but there was much, much more to the story and that was that was acutely aware to me. but it wasn't until, uh, Vic emerged in my thoughts, and we had these two contrasting people, uh, but who were driven to this space for largely the same purpose. That that I knew I had a novel. Um, that uh, that it, that their core relationship would ultimately uh, determine the, the, their fate. Um, and so it was it was then and there that I that I knew how the story needed to be structured and and who needed to tell it. Um, so once I had Sam's voice, um, I, I was essentially away. Uh, it was a little like Jasper Giants in that, um, once you capture that voice and once it feels intuitive, you can, uh, you can work your way through a story, through their lens and it, and it, and it feels, uh, as though it emerges kind of innately, you know, you inhabit that character. Um. in terms of dialogue, uh, you know, I've always focused on it. Uh, For for readers of all levels of sophistication, it is uh, the the element of of a novel that that no one passes over. Everybody reads dialogue. It's so revealing of character and and uh, it's the best way for us to understand characters. When when they speak purely to us, uh, it's a way to make them feel distinct and unique. Um, it's it's a way to uh, have a text feel dynamic because we're shifting away from that narrative voice and we're introducing different tones and different rhythms. Um, it's a vital piece of the, of the puzzle. Um, and so it's something I've always focused on and something I've always delighted in. I love funny characters. I love characters who have distinct voices. Um, I, I love listening to people and understanding their, the, the rhythms of their speech and uh, you know, I relentlessly steal good lines from people and and uh, uh, throw them onto my the, onto my characters, um, you know, something I've always done. Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm very, very pleased and gratified to hear that the, the dialogue um, really stung out for you on the page. Lovely.
0: Mm, yeah, I love what you said about accessibility there, that everyone can engage with dialogue regardless of how confident they are as a reader. I think that comes through so much in this story. I could imagine both adults and young people connecting with it um, in equal measure. It's a great example of a book that um, defies classification, I think, as literary fiction or young adult fiction. It is a coming of age story like Jasper Jones. Were you at all conscious of a teen, teen audience while you were writing this?
1: Right, um, it it is an accessible story and uh, uh, made accessible purely by Sam's narrative voice, I feel. Um, I I don't determine uh, any uh, preferred audience or uh, degree of sophistication in a reader prior to embarking on on a novel. Um, I feel as though that would contaminate the process. Um, for me, uh, under, it really boils down to, to who Sam was and uh, how she was speaking to me. Um, you know, when, when you have a first-person narrative, uh, you need to understand your character. Uh, and it really feels like an extended piece of dialogue. You know, this is a, it's a very professional book. Sam uh, is... Uh, Uh, often deceitful to other characters, often untruthful, but she never, ever lies to us. Um, And it really, uh, it makes it an intimate story, Uh, and it really brings us in. Um, You know, Sam, uh, as a contrast to Charlie Buckton in Jasper Jones, uh, for example, is not a strong reader, Uh, is is not someone who has, uh, you know, Absorbed a lot of novels or, or sat inside those worlds and doesn't harbour literary aspirations. Um, she's just somebody who I, I get the feeling wants to un, unburden herself and, and, and to tell her story uh, truly. Um, and so, I, I suppose in that sense, it's a bit of a happy accident that uh, that, that actually invites a, a lot of readers into the piece. Um, you know, I don't look at this as a as a young adult novel. Um, I, I think. Uh, it's just honeybees. Um, it's, it's the story that you get given uh, as a novelist, and it is told the way that it wants to be told. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm ever hopeful that, that readers of all ages and, and backgrounds uh, can, can pick this book up and, and take from it what they can. Um, but, but no, determining an audience uh, prior to writing is not something that that's ever been part of my process.
0: You alluded to this a little bit earlier when you were talking about your research and consultation process once you knew that this was the story that uh, you wanted to write. In your acknowledgements, um, you give specific mention to a trans, the trans community in Perth that you worked with. Can you talk a little bit about that process?
1: Right. Well, look, I'm acutely aware uh, that Sam's story is not my lived experience. Uh and it's always been uh, very, very important to me uh, that uh, I approach such a proposition from uh, uh, with a process that is sensitive, respectful, and uh, consultative. Um, so, for me, my process in writing Honeybee was to listen and to learn and to research and to understand my subject to uh, as best i could in order for me to uh, authentically articulate um uh, an experience that is so far removed from my own so you know i i read countless testimonies uh, I, uh, I i i read books i uh haunted the internet forums. uh but most of all i, I connected with uh, and interviewed uh, uh, a range of, of trans and non-binary people of uh, different backgrounds and experiences, uh, all of whom were in- incredibly generous with their time, um, and I, I learned so much from uh, from, from those consultations. Um, I was really heartened and blessed by the fact that everybody I spoke to uh, had great enthusiasm and support for Honeybee. Uh, i couldn't have written this book without the contributions uh, and i wouldn't have written it without their blessing um, so it was it was uh, it was it was a really fulfilling part of the process and um you know' i'm, I'm ever hopeful that that honeybee has, has done that consultation justice and Uh, You know, I've obviously received responses from from a few of them uh, thus far where early days yet, I'm still sending books out. Um, But, uh, you know, I've been really heartened by the responses I've received. It's really wonderful.
0: I'm curious if there was anything else that you turned to while writing this novel, any other books or movies or anything that influenced the narrative or the style for you?
1: Well, uh, unfortunately tends to be the opposite when I'm uh, working on a novel. Uh, I tend to, when you have a voice, a narrative voice that is as delicate as Sam's, you tend to want to protect it at, at all costs and you don't want it to be influenced by uh, other voices or other texts or um, uh, anything that might intrude upon what you're, what you're working on. And so, <laughs> I, I, you know, for the period of time I was writing this book, I found myself in something of a cultural wasteland. Really, I, I didn't read anything. Unfortunately, I was just locked in and focused on this book um, as much as I could be. Um, the only thing, I, the only things that I really did uh, um, engage in were things that were germane to the text. Um, and you know, some things were just really quite enjoyable. Uh, I've obviously always loved um, drag. Uh, and this, oh, for, for listeners, I should uh, uh, qualify that by saying that there is a, a, a chapter in Honeybee, uh, which is essentially set inside a, a drag club. Sam asked Vic to, to take a to see a night of drag, um, and uh, you know, I I wanted to encapsulate local West Australian Perth drag in uh, in in all its unique. Glory, uh, and so I was fortunate enough to have a, a local guide called Skyscraper um, who uh, dragged me through the world of Perth drag, and uh, you know I uh, attempted, uh, attended attended uh, numerous drag events and uh, uh, was endlessly entertained. and uh, wrote a lot of notes, and it helped me a great deal in in writing, which I, I think for me is um, the, the best standalone chapter I've ever written, but certainly the most joyous and wonderful and, and uh, uh, inventive and fun scenes I've ever written in my life. Um, you yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So those are the things, uh, uh, you know, uh, were culturally satisfying, but in terms of reading other books or, or films or anything of that, like, I, I really just sort of find myself displaced from all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun chapter. I really enjoyed reading it too. Oh, I'm
1: pleased. I'm pleased to hear that. Oh sorry, I just wanted to add that it was uh it was more difficult than I thought coming up with uh, new drag names. Um you know, but it was a lot it was a lot of fun coming up with them. And when I when I came up with uh, uh my my favourite drag name who became a very, very uh critical character in uh in Honeybee, um, that name being Fella Bitzgerald, uh I was over the moon, I was very happy to come up with that. Um, so hopefully someone adopts it and maybe and brings thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, take a week off after coming up with that. It's pretty good. You live in Perth and Honey Bee is a very Perth novel as well, which I really loved. You've been out of lockdown for a few months now compared to those of us in Melbourne, but uh, earlier this year while you are in lockdown, I'm curious what kinds of things, uh, books or otherwise, held your attention or did you take comfort in reading anything in particular
1: yeah so i mean look i've been busy but i've been fortunate in that i've been able to to pick up fiction again <laughs> um uh, uh most recently um uh, i've read damascus uh by christoph uh which is just brilliant and uh, a challenging read as they always are with with, with christoph you know you're um you, you're gonna go to places that are unexpected and uh uh going to tear your heart out um i just finished the weekend by charlotte wood which was just brilliant and she's just masterful at managing tension and um just a wonderful book uh and i have to say i've just been very fortunate to have read um there's a there's an author called willie lawton who right you might have read lean on peace or uh motel life i mean he's just brilliant um and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know Willie quite well, and he just sent me the galleys for his next one, which is coming out next year, uh, which I just read, and it is brilliant. I finished it a couple of days ago, and I'm just still thinking about it. Um, it is amazing, absolutely fantastic. So I'm really excited for that one to the shelf and to people sharing it.
0: To finish, I'd love you to read an extract from Honeybee for us. Is there anything you'd like to say before you begin to set it up?
1: Uh, look, I need to say that I'm going to start from the top. Um, I'm going to read the first uh, couple of pages from from Honeybee. Um, so we'll get to meet Sam and get to meet and get to hear a bit of Sam's voice.
0: Brilliant. Take it away.
1: <laughs> I wasn't cold, but I was shivering when I walked on to the Clayton Road overpass. I wasn't scared either, even when I climbed over the rail. I didn't really feel much of anything. It was late at night and it was quiet. No cars went past. I looked at the road below. It was a long way down. I focused on the spot where I would probably land, between the white line and the brown gravel. I wondered if it would hurt or if I would die straight away. Then I wondered who would find me. Maybe it would be a truck driver or a shift worker. I felt bad for them. I must have been thinking about things for a while, because when I looked across to my right, I saw a man down the other end of the overpass. He was smoking a cigarette. I could see the orange end glowing in the dark. I got nervous. He was probably walking his dog or something. I didn't want him to come closer. I closed my eyes and let go of the rail, but then I realised it would be awful if he saw me do it. I decided to wait. I looked back at the man from under my hoodie and I noticed something that I hadn't seen at first. He was on the other side of the rail too. I wasn't sure what to do. I knew I should call out or say something, but I didn't have the courage. He ashed his cigarette and flicked it. I watched it spin in the air and hit the road below. When I looked back up, the man was staring at me. I turned away. I felt like I'd been caught out. I heard his footsteps walking towards me. He didn't rush. I shuffled across and kept my head down. I thought about falling then and there, but my mind got really crowded and I froze. I flinched when I heard his voice. I'm not here to talk you out of it. I was still looking down. Don't come any closer, I said. Righto. I guess he was a couple of meters away. Just stay there. I understand. He was calm. I sneaked a look at him. He was old. He had a short gray beard and he wore a dark wool jumper and gray pants. He leaned on the rail and looked down at the road. He didn't say anything else. I edged further away from him. He didn't move, but it felt like he was following me. I couldn't stop shaking. My teeth were clacking together. My head was still throbbing from before and there was a high-pitched ringing sound in my ears. I felt so panicked and dizzy that my mind floated outside my body and I could see myself from above. Everything went still and nothing mattered. It was peaceful and silent up there. I watched myself lean forwards, and that's when I dropped.
0: Thank you so much, Craig. You've been listening to Take Home Reading, a Wheeler Centre audio series. That was Craig Sylvie reading from his novel, Honeybee. It's published by Alan and Unwin and available now. Please shop local and support new Australian work. We'll be back soon with another episode of Take Home Reading. Until then, visit wheelercentre.com for the best in books, writing and ideas from Melbourne, Australia and the world.